Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tyrac.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated hand-cooked Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare thanks for listening to the doug gottlieb show podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday 3 to 6 eastern 12 to 3 pacific on fox sports radio find your local station for the doug gottlieb show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful, sunny city of Angels where, hey, I may be wrong, but it feels like we got the best set of football teams of any major city in the country. Huh? Huh? All right, we got a lot to get to. Jimmy Butler is a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. That seemed to happen really fast. Um, and why one end of the deal, you the team that you feel like gets the better end of the deal somehow doesn't usually get the better end of the deal. We'll get to that upcoming. Um also, uh, things that we freaked out about to start the season in the NFL, we apparently shouldn't have been freaking out about, which is what I told you at the time. It's, this is the I told you so portion of the show we'll get to. Joe Thomas, all-pro offensive lineman, now retired. Cleveland Browns gives us uh, his take. I want to get his take on the Saints offensive line, which is performing as well as, if not better than anyone in the league. 
And uh, what he saw from Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns in their dominant performance yesterday against the Atlanta Falcons. Trent Dilfer will join us. Michael Lombardi will join us. Chris Mannix will join us covering the NBA for Yahoo Sports. We have, we have the entirety of the sports landscape to cover for you. Uh, I just got back from calling my first game play-by-play ever, ever, and I did an NFL on radio. My thanks to the people at uh, Compass Media Networks and Brian Baldinger. They were gentle with me. Um, and I, I, you, you learn so much in watching an NFL game in person. And you learn so much in preparing for those games and talking to NFL people. You just do. And so I'm just fascinated at really the Cowboys win last night. Because I, I don't think I saw it coming. And maybe the, the foreshadowing that I had for people in the offseason of what the Philadelphia Eagles season would look like came to fruition. I, I think that's fair. So I don't want to cast dispersions on Dak Prescott. He was good last night. 26 of 36, 270 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Ezekiel, it was phenomenal last night. You know, 19 carries, 151 yards, best player on the field, plus he had six catches. I thought Dak showed the ability, and the play calling showed the ability to spray the ball around. Gallup had a couple catches. Dalton Schultz had a couple catches. Cole Beasley had four catches. Omari Cooper had six catches. Alan Hearns had a couple catches. And this was... This was generally the Cowboys' game plan coming into the season. If you remember Ryan Music and John Ramos and Dan Beyer, good to catch up with all of you guys. We went to Cowboys camp, and their whole thing was like, look, we may not have a number one, but we got a bunch of, you know, one Bs and two As, and we're going to spread the ball around to a bunch of guys instead of locking in on Des Bryant. And, and last night was probably the first time it played out as such. And keeping in mind, they, they haven't had Jason Witten, who they thought they were going to have. You know, part of the plan was to still have Jason Witten. Even if he couldn't run, he can always catch and he could always get open. So best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And the, the Cowboys have struggled. They didn't expect to not have Travis Frederick either. But, but I, I, in watching the Saints in person, watching them warm up, watching their tape, watching their game, Saints didn't punt yesterday. And the Saints' defensive backfield is not great. I mean, they're basically covering the fact that Eli Apple, who the Cowboys couldn't wait to see me, who the Giants couldn't wait to get rid, rid of, is actually better than what they had working on that side of the field previously. And they're always having to shadow him with a, with a safety anyway. Like their defensive backfield, their linebackers are, you know, uh, they're, they're okay. You know, they're, but they're, their defensive backs are okay. That's the weakness to the team. They're the number one rush defense in football, but pass defense, which is what everybody does. So how are they the hottest team in football? Well, watch yesterday. They got the ball. They had the ball for eight and a half minutes. They sprinkle it in because they can run it. They can pass it. They just find mismatches. They generally don't hit you on many explosive plays. They only really had one pass play over 20 yards in terms of the ball traveling more than 20 yards down the field yesterday. And yet they completely and utterly eviscerated the Bengals. Now, you can tell me that the Bengals are awful defensively. That's why they fired Terrell Austin, their defensive coordinator, earlier today. It would be a fair argument. Hey, good offense comes in, lights up bad defense. They get rid of defensive coordinator. But the Saints are only marginally better defensively than they were during Drew Brees' down years. 
The league has come around to Drew Brees' style, to the Saints' style. The only thing missing from the Saints team is they don't get the turnovers that they got during the Super Bowl winning year. But this is an offensive game. And so when I look at Dak and I see like this is this is the good the good Dak is 270 yards, mostly sprinkling it around in and around the line of scrimmage. He's a viable weapon, not just to throw it, but also to run it occasionally. I look around and I'm like, look, I don't think I think Dak has gotten better because everybody gets better with experience. I called a game yesterday. I wish I called one today or this upcoming weekend. I would be so much better the second time than I was the first time. You got to you have to experience it in order to understand what you got to do better. But I also think that the the league they don't just catch up to a Dak Prescott. They don't just catch up to a Carson Wentz. They don't just catch up to you. The league has also evolved into one of these. If you're not an accurate pinpoint passer, if you don't have an offense that tries to find that mismatch of linebacker on running back or safety on slot guy, or you're one weak cornerback getting exposed in man-to-man coverage. If you don't have those, if you, if you can't do that, you can't win on third down. If you can't win on third down, you can't win in the league. And, and so I'm not telling you that the Cowboys fresh off a win should be sitting there telling themselves that Dak Prescott stinks. I also didn't agree with the idea of giving Dak Prescott a contract extension, especially considering he's going to ask for, maybe even demand, to be compensated at the level of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL because that's what new quarterback contracts always are. But I will tell you that if you like Dak now, you liked him five months ago, you liked him 10 months ago. 207 yards, like he only passed for 300 yards a handful of times in his entire NFL career. This is who he is. And while the league has caught up a little bit to his style, the league has also changed and evolved. This is no different than basketball. Look, I I think Dak will be fine. And if you can sign him to a deal which ultimately kind of settles in the middle of the pack of quarterbacks, I think that's reasonable. The problem is no one's ever reasonable with their asking price for a new quarterback contract. But this is no different than, or it's slightly different, but there's some similarities there to why Dwight Howard or Carmelo Anthony might get cut by the Houston Rockets. Now, is Carmelo Anthony a little bit over the hill? Sure. Does he struggle with accepting a role where he doesn't touch the ball as often? Sure. Does he struggle defensively and gets caught on bad switches and if you're, you, it's really, really hard to hide him? Sure. But some of those things were still problems five years ago. The difference is the league has changed. Where he scores is in the mid-range and the post-up, and those, those are ball-stopping parts to a game which no one likes to play anymore. Now you're either a ball screen dominant ball dominant guard with ball in your hands playing downhill, or you're a catch and shoot big guy or a, a, a three and D wing. And he is none of these things. In the National Football League at quarterback, either you're 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 a guy who can make adjustments in line of scrimmage and is a super brilliant supercomputer with a laser accurate arm. Or you're pretty accurate, you're big, you're mobile, and you got a huge arm downfield. Dak Prescott's kind of neither of those. He, he's more the big thrower, the guy who can take some 
heat, the guy he can, he's like a, a mini version of a Cam Newton, but he doesn't quite have that arm, doesn't quite have uh, he, the athletic ability, and isn't quite as big. So part of it is the league catches up to Dak. Part of it is the league evolves. That said, as much turmoil as has been around the Dallas Cowboys, with a win on the road in Philadelphia, they're sitting there at four and five tied with Philly in a division where they can still win the damn thing. Fresh off a Monday night football loss, and now all of a sudden people are going, hey, you know what? The Titans might not be terrible. Might not be terrible. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I, I love the beginning of most sports seasons because most sports seasons have widespread panic. That's really what happens. There's something new and we totally lose our minds and freak out about it. You know, that, that, that's really what happens. It happened in the National Football League. Something we talked about the entire, the entire preseason has gone completely undiscussed since about the third week of the regular season. We'll discuss that upcoming next, but first, hey, sports fans, football season's here. It's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, you can take a total, you can even bet on over-under for fantasy points that your player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use the promo code Gottlieb when you register uh, for your account. You get a 100% sign-up bonus. What if, for example, you walk in the door and the game's already kicked off? Don't worry about it. MyBookie.net has live in-game action on every major league sporting event, even esports. There's no better time to join in on MyBookie.net than right now. Open a MyBookie.net account and start winning. Just use the promo code Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. You get a 100% sign-up bonus. Once you visit that website, you'll never turn back. That's mybookie.net. The promo code is Gottlieb, 100% sign-up bonus. No purchase necessary. Terms and conditions apply. For entertainment purposes only, void where prohibited. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. This year, Progressive celebrates six years and over 600 cars given to veterans. Giving thanks by providing independence for those who protect it. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Among the things that we've learned this uh, football season, don't freak out is probably the biggest thing. Don't freak out over new rules. And and this has happened in college basketball. Not as much this year, although it it will happen this year with some of these big games. Um, People freaking out about Duke. They win one game against Kentucky who seemed ill-prepared uh, for that early a tip in terms of early in the season. Ashton Hagens, their point guard, gets into foul trouble, and they it's a bad matchup, and they just uh, – it, it became a vortex of suckitude as Duke demolished Kentucky, and people have respect for Kentucky and John Calipari and the talent that we're told they have. And so if Duke can do that to Kentucky, well, then they're going to go undefeated and then they can beat the Cavs. I heard um, Jalen Rose said that, and then Jay Williams said that. And, I, I mean, I listen, I'll never have this argument with anybody on air because it's not, it's not one which I'm willing to say I can lose arguments. 
But here's one. Uh, there's no there's no losing to my side of the argument. Duke has three future top draft picks on their team. They probably have four or five, maybe six guys who play in the NBA eventually. But but they are all very young right now. So even if they you put them in the NBA, they'd be 18, 19-year-olds. As opposed to the Cavs, who no matter what you think of how bad the Cavs are, they have 15 NBA players. And, and if you're disappointed in Colin Sexton and how good he is as your point guard, keep in mind Colin Sexton was, the, was 1A or 1B in terms of the best freshman point guard in the country last year. He was so good, he almost beat Minnesota when he was at Alabama playing three on five. Right? So 15 pros that are mostly grown men to three or four pros who are 18, 19-year-olds. We're not having that discussion on this show. But we do because we freak out over the first thing we see. We have no context, no perspective. It hasn't played out. And people who say things like that end up usually getting on old takes exposed and looking rather foolish. It doesn't mean that having a strong opinion isn't a good one, but it's hard when you don't have context. Remember when people were freaking out freaking out about the new rules as far as hitting a, a quarterback. You know, Miami has a guy who gets a sack, like, well, he tore his knee because he was trying to avoid landing on the quarterback. Or he just tore his knee standing up non-contact. That means that knee was going to go no matter what. All the penalties that Clay Matthews had, you know, two weeks in a row between the Packers. And has anyone had this discussion the last month? Nope. I haven't heard it once. I, so, so my process, people ask this all the time. What do you do to prepare for your show? Honestly, I watch a lot of games. Um, I do a good amount of reading. And then I listen to other people's sports shows that I like. And I go, oh, there's a topic that... Are, now, it doesn't mean I like or steal their takes. I got my own way of kind of looking at things. But I want to know what everybody I feel like is talking about. The guys I respect nationally on Fox Sports Radio and occasionally other places. You know what I haven't heard in the last month? I haven't heard anybody bring up, oh, yeah, that terrible new rule where you can't land on a player. Do you know why? As we told you, players will adjust and the officiating will adjust. Right? It's, it's like the start of a relationship. Start of the relationship, you'd never go out unshaven. You'd always go out with a belt on. You're never going to pick her up in sweats. You're always going to be super early. Your car is going to be clean. And then eventually you get to like the real representative of who you are. And you're like, look, I've been pretty clean and I've been pretty formal and how I've and pretty conservative and how I've approached this whole thing. Let's kind of go with that. But you, you kind of loosen up as the, the, the dating continues. That's what happens in sports. Early on, they draw a hard and fast lines because they want to keep the quarterbacks on the field. We don't want any more Aaron Rodgers. We just don't. Um, don't want another Aaron Rodgers situation where somebody lands on him and breaks his collarbone. Don't want another Tony Romo. We want these quarterbacks, as many quarterbacks to stay in the league as possible, to keep him upright, can't hit him below the knee, can't hit him above the neck, and he can't land on him. And you know what? It's worked. It's worked. Tell, tell me the quarterback 
that's that's hit and torn up his knee. Tell me the quarterback that's been out with a concussion. Right? I mean, the hardest hit was on a Deshaun Watson who who had a collapsed lung. I mean, that dude is so tough. They end up driving him to a game. But that was a good, clean, hard hit, not preventable. We didn't penalize anybody. Aaron Rodgers playing this year? Yep. Did he play last year? No, he got hurt. Russell Wilson. Why does every Russell Wilson game end up with him running around trying to lead a comeback with the Seahawks? Sometimes they pull it off. Sometimes they don't. I was watching that last drive in the airport in Chicago last night. And I turned to somebody. I was like, isn't every Seattle game end like this? Dan Byers sitting there going, yes, every Seattle game actually ends like this. Every single one. But Russell Wilson's still playing. Jared Goff's still playing. Matt Ryan's still playing. I mean, it's... Joe Flacco's the only one who might sit because of a hip. That's it. I mean, Jameis Winston got pulled, but he got pulled because he sucked, not because he got hurt. So they established rules that would help keep guys healthy at the most important position. It's worked. And oh yeah, by the way, they've dialed it back because guys have dialed back how they're getting after the quarterback. And we haven't heard hide nor hair. Like the only thing I've heard less of is remember when the NFL was going to conduct a study on the air pressure in footballs. No one's ever heard any results of that. By the way, it's because the Patriots, I probably didn't take any air out of the football. They probably were just playing with lightly inflated footballs. That's it. And the weather did cause the balls to lose lose inflation. And that does actually happen. That is a real thing in sports. And the only logical conclusion, because if the NFL, aha, we got them, we got the Patriots, they would have announced it as such, but they didn't. That's the only thing I've heard less of. That is the only thing that ranks above the, hey, you can't land on a quarterback, which everyone seemed to complain about in the preseason, the first two weeks of the season, and no one has spoken of since. Right? Oh, this is football as we knew it is over. It's over. There's no contacts. Two hand touch. Why don't we put flags on them? Remember that? Now, we're not doing jacked up segments, but I saw Quentin Nelson. Did you guys see the video of Quentin Nelson? as a pulling guard from the Colts screaming while he does it. And he just road graded a dude from Jacksonville. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. This, and I've, I've heard people football is under attack. Well, it's not. We're just trying to keep your quarterbacks healthy and trying to keep people's brain healthy. And then if you want to be a battering Ram, you still have injuries. Cooper cup, sadly tore his ACL in Sunday's game. My guess is, that he had a weakness in the knee going back to the original injury in Denver. But still, you still have injuries. Still stinks. But the quarterbacks are still playing. And all of that nonsense about ruining the sport and completely changing the sport. NFL offenses are at an all-time high. They wanted that. Quarterbacks are in and not getting hurt. That's one of the reasons that scoring and, and points are up. And whatever contact you make, you can obviously adjust. Otherwise, there'd be more penalties. I, I hate to be the guy who mentions it, but ratings are up too. 
Let's get to Dan Beyer. He always spikes our ratings. Find out what else is going on in the world of sports. Dan, what do you got? That Quentin Nelson block was impressive. I actually was watching Jaguars-Colts at the time it was made, and it was impressive just hearing it live. And then to hear that mic'd up segment made it about 10 times better. Speaking of 10, Week 10 wraps up tonight with the Giants and 49ers, 8.15 Eastern time from Santa Clara. Now looking ahead to Week 11, it's a Rams-Chiefs matchup in Mexico City. Officials from the league are in the city to check on the playing service at Azteca Stadium. Following recent concerts and games, the field is in poor condition, so the league, according to Peter King of NBC, is going to try to figure out solutions to improve the playing conditions prior to Monday's contest. Some bad news today for the Rams. Wide receiver Cooper Cup going to miss the rest of the season after tearing his ACL in his left knee in yesterday's loss against the Seahawks. The Saints have signed free to wide receiver Brandon Marshall in the NBA. Jimmy Butler officially a member of the Sixers. He'll make his debut on Wednesday against the Magic. No Steph Curry tonight for the Warriors against the Clippers, but Draymond Green will make his return from a toe injury. And finally, the New York Islanders host the Montreal Canadiens at 7 o'clock Eastern time in tonight's Discover Card key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member. A Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Doug? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Man, it was cold yesterday in Cincinnati. I, I told you guys that it was like 40 degrees, maybe 39 right before kickoff. And you're in the you're in the shade when you're in the press box, but when you're calling a game, you have the the open air, and that's not really a it's not a super cold day. Like if you live in the Midwest, you're like oh 39 and sunny, that's not bad, a little breezy, but not like a crisp crisp wind. When you come from California, it's 76 degrees today in Southern California. When you come from California and that temperature, you're thinking about a 35 degree temperature drop. Ramos, I was so cold. I just, I, and I didn't want to mention it to people because every time you do, they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I do remember you saying it was going to be cold before you left. You did look at the weather and said, wow, it's going to be like 45, 50. So you definitely have the outlook of cold weather. Yes. And so I, but I didn't, I, I want to feel like I didn't psych myself out. Like I brought pr- proper attire, but man, I'm, I'm just, whatever you do, if you're, if, if the job you have, is going to bring you back to the Midwest, I recommend you don't move uh, to, the, to the West Coast or to some warm climate. Um, Joe Thomas is a seven-time All-Pro, uh, sure to be a Hall of, Fame offensive, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, kind enough to join us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Joe, I, I've gotten really soft. I mean, I was, I, lived, I, I was born in Wisconsin. I lived in Connecticut like 12 of the last 16 years. I've been on the West Coast now back for... Oh, about uh, 13, 14 months. I went to Cincinnati. It was only 40 degrees. It was sunny. And I swear to God, my hands, my feet were absolutely freezing. You haven't gotten soft in uh, your retirement, have you? It didn't even take me a year to get soft. I, I got soft within the first six months. But I tell you what, I've been in Cincinnati a bunch of times, and that stadium can get pretty cold. That wind off the river can just cut right through that stadium. And some of the coldest games I've ever played in were actually at Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, the, the the river is right outside the stadium, and uh, and and it is kind of open, in, sort of in that end zone. I want to ask you about the the Saints, who were so dominant they got Terrell Austin fired, right? And they they don't punt yesterday. And I was working with Brian Baldinger, and he's like, "You got to watch this offensive line work from the New Orleans Saints. What have they done to get it all together to be the perfect offensive line for the way Drew Brees plays?" Well, they're always blocking for a spot that's, you know, seven yards deep. So they're, they're trying to create a firm pocket up front, but then allow those rushers to try to rush up the field. And they know that Drew Brees, 
he gets rid of the ball so quickly that if somebody tries to rush up the field, they just can't get there. And so they fit their scheme perfectly with how Drew Brees loves to play. Joe Thomas joining us on behalf of Polaris. We'll get to that in, in a moment. Cowboys get a win on the road over the Philadelphia Eagles. There's been a lot of talk about, hey, you lose Travis Frederick, and that's why this offensive line hasn't looked as cohesive, hasn't looked as dominant as it had going back two years ago. What did you see from the Cowboys' offensive line last night against the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think what you see is the quarterback that's playing better. A lot of times the offensive line, they get way too much credit uh, when a quarterback plays well, and they get too much blame when the quarterback doesn't play well because a lot of times if the quarterback's not throwing the ball on time, it doesn't matter who's up there blocking in front. They're going to be getting that quarterback hit, and they're going to be taking a lot of the blame. But you get a quarterback that's playing a little bit better. Dak Prescott plays a little bit better the other night, and all of a sudden everyone says that all the problems that they have have been fixed. And I agree, missing Travis Frederick is a, is a big blow to that offensive line. But uh, I, I still think overall they're a really good offensive line, and they can play really well, but they just need that quarterback position to play much better. Obviously, your former team, the Browns, made a change, head coach and coordinator. And uh, last week, it was a really conservative game plan. This week, obviously, that game plan's helped out when Nick Chubb runs for 176. What's changed in not just the play calling, but also the personnel groupings uh, in in the past two weeks since changing play callers? Well, I think you're seeing Duke Johnson on the field a lot more with Nick Chubb, and that's given defenses problems because they don't know how to handle both those guys. Uh, Duke Johnson being targeted in the passing game has made a big impression uh, on that offense and, and really helped boost that offense. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's playing really well. He was really efficient in the game yesterday. I think he was like 17 out of 20 and three touchdowns. As many touchdowns as he had in completions, he was just lights out. But uh, you got an offensive coordinator in Freddie Kitchens. He's calling great games because he's got nothing to lose. He's on an interim basis. He can go out there and call trick plays. He can be unpredictable. He can call play-action passes when his uh, offense is in their own end zone. So uh, I think it's a great position for that offense to be in, and I think you're seeing that good growth from Baker Mayfield, that quarterback, and that's exactly why they decided to make the changes that they did in the middle of the season. Yeah, the, a little bit of the bowl game offense, right? That, that's when, you, when, you, when you're an interim offensive coordinator, you can kind of run that bowl game like, Hal, let's just take a shot at it. That's a great way to put it, yeah. It's that, it's that bowl game offense. Hey, it doesn't matter. We, we can take some risks. If they don't pan out, oh, well. But let's have some fun with it. Let's cut it loose. Let, the, let these guys play some football. And I think you're seeing some great results. Joe, you miss it? You did it for a long time. Do you miss it? You always miss it when things are going well. And, and it's easy now that you're retired to only remember the good parts and to only remember the easy stuff that was fun. But uh, I think I have uh, enough of a elephant memory that uh, I remember how hard it was for me to get out of bed on those Mondays and how difficult it was for me to be able to prepare for those games on Sunday and, and uh, how really it was just not tenable anymore. And so as much as you miss the wins in the locker room and everything, you can't ever separate it in your memory You know how the pain that you went through, especially at the end of the season, from how much fun it is to go out there and strap it up and uh, win a game. Joe Thomas joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I want to ask you about the Steelers. Tomorrow's the day in which Le'Veon Bell, we're told he won't show up, um, but tomorrow's the day in which we'll know officially he shows he doesn't show up. And I don't think anyone would argue whether or not he has more overall God-given talent than James Conner. But there, there's something about Conner, maybe it's his personal story, maybe it's connection to Pittsburgh having played 
college football there. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, he has shown the ability to step up when there was all the noise about Le'Veon Bell. It's probably all of the above. But, like, look, man, you've been in those locker rooms, and we're hearing offensive linemen speak out essentially on his behalf, which is kind of unheard of to ever, you know, divide a locker room with players. That may happen inside the locker room, but, but never publicly from offensive linemen outside the locker room. Have you ever seen this before where a team just goes like, hey, you know what, James Conner's our guy, and we're kind of over Le'Veon Bell? Because that's what it feels like to us, the fan. It's definitely an unusual situation. I'm not sure I've ever seen it before. Obviously, going back to the contract dispute, the player just flat out saying, hey, I don't want your franchise tag. I'm just not going to play this year. I'd rather take $0 this year and go to free agency. That's obviously unique. And then to have your own offensive line players in the locker room calling you out in the media, it's really unique. And and honestly, if Le'Veon Bell shows up, that's going to be a toxic situation. Uh, We don't think he will, but I guess anything can happen in this type of a situation. So if he does show up, it's obviously going to make for some good drama. Me, myself, and the media now, I would love for him to show up because that would give me something to talk about for a few weeks on my award-winning Tomahawk podcast. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, though, if you think about it. Like, there is something to guys who people believe in and people like as opposed to a guy who might have more talent, right? Is that That's fair, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, desire and want to, that has a big impact on how well you play on Sundays. And just because somebody's got ability doesn't mean that you have what it takes to make it in the NFL. And there's thousands of guys that have had way more ability but not been able to make it in the NFL because they don't have the drive. They don't have that want to that it takes to be able to go out on a Sunday and take those hits that you have to take and then wake up on a Monday morning at 6 a.m. and get in the weight room and get in the training room and get yourself right to do it again the next week. That's not something that you, every person has. And so you've got to have that drive if you want to make it in the NFL. All right, now, I read where you're doing this deal with Polaris to kick off Ranger Country, Heroes Hunt. It's a program to develop and celebrate veterans and raise awareness for funding for Leek. That's L-E-E-K, hunting and mountain preserve. What is, what is Leek and what's Polaris? And what are you and Polaris doing for it? Yeah, so I'm really excited to be partnering with uh, Polaris Ranger on their Ranger Country Heroes Hunt program, where this year they're raising money for Leek, which is a hunting preserve out in Pennsylvania that I got a chance to go to this fall that helps rehabilitate our nation's veterans. And I got a chance to go out there and spend some time with some Army and Marine Corps vets and just see firsthand how being in the outdoors and sharing that fellowship with fellow Marines is giving these guys an ability to heal as they transition back to civilian life. And it's really a special thing. And and Ranger's trying to donate $100,000 so that Leak is able to expand their program to be able to serve and help more vets. And the cool thing I think about Leak that separates itself from a lot of other veterans programs is all veteran run. It's owned by a former veteran, uh, or excuse me, a veteran of, I think he was in the Army. And it's just a really neat program to be involved with. And I think it's a great program on this Veterans Day as we're celebrating today to be able to go out there and donate and uh, support our vets. All right, so uh, last thing. Obviously, famously, when you were drafted, you were fishing, which is pretty much the coolest thing ever. Uh, When you hunt, you deer, you a deer guy, you a bird guy, you a bear guy, you a wild hog guy. Like you can only elk, you can only go hunting for one thing. What's your... What's your, uh, what's your game best at? I like to get out and do all of it. You know, when I was at Leak this fall, it was really cool because uh, we got to do some deer hunting in the morning with some of the vets, and then we actually did a little pheasant hunt in the afternoon. So the outdoor opportunities 
at Leak are endless. Hunting, fishing, even if you're not into that stuff, they do camping. They allow vets to bring their whole family out there. It's, it's really a lot of fun. And for a guy like me to be able to be just a little bit a part of that was really cool. I'm great, Lyman. Thanks for joining us so much. We really appreciate it. By the way, you can go to donate.onecause.com slash heroes hunt or text uh, 512-920-5521. That's the one and only Joe Thomas joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. One of the NFL's best offenses loses a key playmaker. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. Find out next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. John Middlecoff is a former scout in the National Football League. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Le'Veon Bell is a freak elite back that somehow we lose track of that a little bit because either we love the James Conner story or we don't like Le'Veon Bell holding out for more money. Is that a fair take? Le'Veon Bell in a vacuum is a better player than James Conner. So if Le'Veon Bell had been playing all this year and been locked in as he has been the last couple years, he would be doing everything James is doing and more. But I also think on the flip side, it shows, hey, Le'Veon, you had $14.5 million that on a single season you would have been the highest paid player in the league at your position. It's not a position where it's, it, you're not a left tackle. You're not a corner. You are very, pretty easy to replace. See, to me, Doug, the difference is it's the one position for the most part that I can find a dude off waivers. I can find a guy late in the draft and get, I mean, 95% of production at so many other at pass rusher, at, you know, at offensive tackle, at corner. The drop-off is like Grand Canyon-wise, where at running back, it's I can find James Conner that, again, not Le'Veon Bell, but is having a Pro Bowl season. I, I can't just find Pro Bowl other positions. But to me, that's the problem for the Le'Veon Bell side of the argument. If you missed anything from the Doug Gottlieb Show, you can always podcast by going to foxsportsradio.com. Now, once again, here's Doug Gottlieb. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Every day this time, we like to play a game for you. We do so in an effort to... I don't know, bring in Dan Beyer, entertain you, and oh yeah, by the way, catch you up on a bunch of stories. This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Huddle up with Granger, America's trusted source for industrial supplies and safety products. Visit Granger.com for whatever you need, whenever you need it, Granger, for the ones who get it done. Beyer. Dan Byer, what do you got? We have got today, Doug. Big deal, little deal, no deal. All right, big deal, little deal, or no deal. That Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup is done for the season with a torn ACL. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Listen, I know the Rams have a lot of other talent to throw the football to. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, et cetera, et cetera. But Cooper Cup is a favorite target. Uh, he is a is Cooper Cup always open. It feels like he's always open. And when yes, you look it at the it, it, and, yeah. and when you look at their offensive production as a team, when he's been out, it has been different. I think that is a massive, massive loss. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that the Buccaneers are sticking with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback despite not scoring a touchdown in a loss yesterday to the Redskins. They had over five hundred yards of offense and had only three points. That yeah. seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? That's the new NFL. It's not about how, how many yards do you score points? 
Um, but it also tells you where they are with Jameis Winston, that they don't want to play him for fear of getting hurt, that he gets hurt, then they got to pay him next year. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that the NFL is concerned over the poor playing conditions at Azteca Stadium in Mexico City as it will host the Rams and Chiefs a week from today. I, I think it's a, it's a little deal just because do we really think they're going to pull the game out of Azteca Stadium? Right? Like, it's a week away. Are they real? There's so many logistical issues if they were. So they can be concerned about like, hey, we're really concerned. And, and they're right to be concerned with bad playing surface. They had this problem when they played in London time and again. You know, different grass, different, you know, there's, the field conditions are really important to these guys. But I don't know what you're going to do about it. You got a week. Yeah. It always seems like on the soccer pitches, the the type of grass isn't as deeply rooted. I'm not a an expert in it in this field. However, it does seem to cause a slippery track, and we'll see if it has an effect a week from tonight. Because, honestly, that's the Monday night game we're looking forward to. ESPN's been pubbing it for two weeks. Who would pub Giants 49ers, right? Uh, big deal, little deal, or no deal that the Carmelo Anthony Houston Rockets marriage is likely headed for a divorce after a 5-7 and seven start to the season. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I mean, look, Carmelo Anthony is a uh, is a Hall of Famer. He is a um, Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer, and he didn't make it to the All Star break with the Rockets. That that's that, and he's not like he's making a bunch of money, and maybe that's one reason you can cut him. And is that scapegoating him? Sure. That to me shows that he's a problem behind the scenes. There's the only because. Issues with your play and issues with not being able to play defense and missing shots and whatever. Like, all right, we can work through that and we'll play you less minutes here and more minutes some nights. But if you're getting just cutting a guy straight away in November, that means he's a pain in the ass. Mello's averaging 13.5 points per game and about 29 minutes per contest, shooting about 40% from the floor. Honestly, Doug, that's what I thought he would do. <laughs> I did, I, maybe the points per game would have been a little bit higher, but I don't know what else you would have expected from Carmelo Anthony coming into that Houston team. I, I don't know. Do they expect 20 points per game? No, I don't think it's points per game. I, I think it's, I think it's just this idea that the way he has to get a, he has to, he requires a volume of shots and he's not efficient enough. Um, he struggles to defend. I, yeah. I, I honestly think the biggest thing is, is he doesn't want to come off the bench and he's probably just not good. He's just not good. He's not all in on everybody else. Yeah. Like, look, you know, Lou Aldang last year with the, with the LA Lakers. Remember he started opening night and then he never played again and they kept him away from the team. And the reason was they felt like he wasn't a great influence on the younger guys. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but just if you're not all in for the right reasons, like we just don't want you around because it can influence guys, (laughs) especially when, you're a very popular player because all these guys grew up watching you get buckets and then win a national championship and be an all-star in the NBA. Yeah, and that's kind of my point is he probably brought was was expected, but just not working out. Uh, big deal, little deal, or no deal that Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins were very complimentary of Jimmy Butler following his trade by the Wolves to Philadelphia. Towns saying he's one hell of a player. I don't know how many Jimmy Butlers there are in the world, so I think he'll be missed. Wiggins adding, I learned a lot of things from him. We made the playoffs something we haven't done in a long, long time. Um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a no deal. It's it's smart from Carl Anthony Towns. 
It's smart from Andrew Wiggins. It's obvious that he didn't respect them. They didn't, he didn't treat them the way that they wanted to be treated. They didn't play as well with him. So this is just them saying nice things because what's the win in them killing Jimmy Butler on the way out the door? All right, movie uh, movie freaks, if you will. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that a trailer for the new Toy Story 4 dropped today with its release coming in June of 2019. You a Toy I, Story guy, Doug? I am a Toy Story guy. Everyone is better than the next. Toy Story 3, when you have kids, is really, really tough. I do feel like this is the Disneyization, though, because we they wrapped a pretty nice bow on it at Toy Story 3. Toy Story 4 should be named the search for more money. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Game time brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you'd treat you. Pixar, of course, now owned by Disney, just like the Star Wars franchise is owned by Disney. And, you know, sometimes shows have run their course. We'll see. We'll see, you know, uh, if Buzz is back, if Woody's back. I still think Toy Story would be good. I don't know if it'll recapture that Pixar magic. Two teams in pro sports. One NFL, one NBA team. They show you exactly where analytics, though useful, can go so wrong. Tell you next on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Michael Lombardi is going to join the show later today, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Love catching up with Michael Lombardi. He tweeted this out. It's really interesting. Uh, The Eagles are the worst team in the NFL in uh, in red zone third downs. They've just converted four all season last year, 51% on all four point plays on, on our four point plays, big difference. So um, I think it's really interesting here as, as we watch the Eagles continue to stumble along. We told you that it's going to be different, that it's going to be harder. We did. It's going to be different. And and some of this, I actually pointed out this out with the Lakers. You know, last night the Lakers needed a Tyson Chandler block shot to beat the Atlanta Hawks. And the Hawks are awful. And, and here's what people will do. If you like Trey Young, Trey Young was good last night offensively. Really good. He went through about three games, the three previous games, he was horrendous at both ends. And he's not a good defender, but it's more not even really trying. And then when you're not making shots... Uh, you know, it becomes, you know, if you're, you're shooting long threes and you're not guarding anything, like he goes through games where he's just not good. He's very young. He's not almost, he's 20 years old and I'm not freaking out about his future. I'm just being realistic about the entire picture. But, but what is obvious with the Lakers is they're getting everybody's best shot every night. You know, and it's it's hard to quantify. How do you, how do you quantify that? Well, when you're the Lakers, you're you're Duke basketball, you're Gonzaga, you're Kansas. It's harder for you to pack up and go on the road because that's that that becomes everybody else's Super Bowl. And people like to point to stats and say, "Well, this guy's going to be better because he's a year older. He's playing with LeBron. He's getting more minutes." 
And yet some guys' stats have become stagnant or some guys are just the, the same. And, and they actually may be better, but the competition is not only better in the West for LeBron. He's a year older. But the other teams are loading up. That's their biggest game. That's their biggest game. You're getting everybody's best shot. So that's a little bit of what's happened to Philadelphia. A little bit. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. But a little bit is also... Hey, remember when Philadelphia was great and they were going for it on fourth down and their, their team go for it because the analytics say, go for it, do it. You can do it. The guys that say you go for it, you can do it all the time are the guys that aren't coaching, right? Just because if you look at it on a sheet, you're like, well, you know, the conversion rate, if it's over 50%, then you obviously have to go for it based upon the numbers. Again, that takes out the emotion and momentum from sports. We saw analytics go wrong in the NBA playoffs with the Houston Rockets. How many times can you point out? Even if the stats would tell you, hey, man, you still have the same likelihood of making the next three if you've missed the last three threes. Once you've missed 20 straight threes, you might want to go get to the rim. I don't know. You know? And... And when you, when, when you start trying to tinker with your, like last year, I questioned Chris Paul, only in that Chris Paul, who's great. Anybody who did thinks I don't like Chris Paul is great. He's my, he's been my favorite point guard to watch over the past 10, 12 years. He plays how I wish I could have played at that level. But I question Chris Paul, who's more of a mid-range shooter, has to have the ball in his hands, more of a ball-dominant guy, how that would work. And generally, by and large, it did work. Now, he wasn't healthy at the end of the year, and he didn't play for about 20 games in the regular season. And now we're seeing a full season of it. And, of course, he's playing mostly without James Harden. But when you start trying to tinker with a, a plan, and you're like, well, let's just... We think if we take Mello and you take his same percentages and you put them in our offense and you make it more efficient and you can, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. The Mello thing never made any sense to me. It actually was anti-analytics and it's one of those smart guys in a room thinking they're smarter than everybody else, which is what we saw from the Eagles last year. The Eagles' addition by, by addition was bad math. Just like the addition by addition with Houston was bad math. Well, if we add Mello in, that's more offense, more points. All we need is a, another guy we can throw the ball to at the block when we get a shot or another guy who can create offense for himself, create offense for other people, it'll work. Just down there's one ball. How you play on defense matters. Mello can kind of be a bummer to play with on offense. And he's not even as good as he used to be because he's a year older and there were years early on where he didn't take care of himself. You go over to the Eagles and their whole thing was, look, as good as we were, we were hurt last year. Carson Wentz got hurt. We had all these other injuries. Wait till everybody gets back. Addition by addition. But there's actually something called subtraction by addition in sports and I think we're seeing that some in Philadelphia. We're seeing that some in Houston. This guy was hurt. That guy was hurt. Soon as he gets back, we're going to be right. Wentz has been good, but not as good, nearly as good as he had been in the past. People seem to have caught up to the offense. Some of the offensive brain trust is elsewhere as well. 
But the idea of addition by addition is the anti-math to the reality of addition by subtraction and, in fact, subtraction by addition. Too many guys, whether they're trying to prove themselves, whether you're trying, you're, you end up splitting time, you just lose that special feeling. You just lose that special feeling. Um, also, you know, I, I heard Dion, do you guys, do we have Dion Lewis's comments about the Patriots after the Titans laid the wood to the Patriots? So Dion Lewis is a former Patriot and the Titans played great and the Titans beat, beat the Patriots. And so Dion Lewis went all in on the Pats saying that they went cheap and they got what they deserved. Take a listen. So it is a little personal. Hell yeah, it's personal. That's what happens when you go cheap. You get your ass kicked. It was a real sweet win, you know, uh, especially when you used to be there and they didn't want to bring you back. So uh, definitely real sweet. I'm happy my teammates came out and played, and I love these guys. Yeah, I, I love these guys. They go cheap. It was personal. We got the win. Now, look, you're completely allowed. I, I have no problem with you being ticked off that you're not with, with the Patriots anymore. And if you want to say that they went cheap, that's fine. They went and got a first-round draft pick running back. They never draft running backs in the first round. And Sonny Michel, when healthy, has been terrific. And Sonny Michel played some yesterday, coming back off injury, only got 11 carries, 31 yards. They didn't have Rob Gronkowski. And I don't think that, I don't think that Deion Lewis is wrong now. I really don't. I don't think Deion Lewis, how he's expressed himself, but they, they also, they had James White, so they didn't feel like they needed another guy who could catch it out of the backfield. They didn't, he's more of a change of pace guy. As opposed to, you know, he runs with a Derrick Henry, and that's what a Sony Michelle is. So the, the business of sports and the personal nature of guys feeling like they're getting cut, I only say this, I, I thought it was a good win for the Titans. I don't mind him popping off, talking trash. And if he thinks that's why the Patriots got what they deserved, but Edelman sprained his ankle. Gronk, is, Gronk has been hurt. They're still going to win their division. And they've been able... It doesn't mean you can never question the Patriots. And it doesn't mean that he's not supposed to be mad. But the idea that they went cheap at the position when they spent on the position by going out and spending a first-round draft pick, that just not cluing in on the reality of what the Patriots have decided to do. Look, it, it does suck when a place that you used to work has found some sort of replacement and you think you're better than that replacement. If you've ever changed jobs, you're going to feel that way. If you've ever broken up with a girl and she's dating somebody else and you're dating somebody else, you're going to feel that way. Man, I was better for her. Even if you're completely happy in your relationship, there's going to be a part of you that says, I'm better than that dude. That's the ego of it. But if we do we really think that the Patriots at full strength aren't better than the Titans? I don't. I think they're absolutely better than them. Super Bowl champion Trent Dilfer joins the show next. I'll ask him about the Pats. Any reason to be worried Worried because they were blown out by the Titans? Plus, has the NFL caught up on Dak Prescott? Or did he show us something different last night against Philadelphia? We'll discuss next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's get to Trent Dilfer. He joins us every week at this time. Trent, I watched the Saints. Uh, uh, they beat the Bengals so bad, the Bengals fired Terrell Austin. Um, but it's it's really remarkable to watch Drew Brees be so accurate. Now, most everything he did was within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. If you could find a weakness to that Saints offense, is there one? Can't find one uh, yet. Um, they're rolling on all c- cylinders. They, they create a ton of stress on the defense by the amount of personnel groupings they use, formations. And Sean Payton, like the other really good offense coordinators in the league, has has stolen a bunch of stuff from Saturday from college football uh, to create width and space in the defense and, and force you uh, to play tighter man coverage, quick matchup zones. If you you no longer can play soft zone in the NFL against the really high end uh, offense coordinators and quarterbacks, so they keep you on your heels. Uh, they can run the ball with two backs. Um, he does a great job of setting Kamara up as a, as a pass receiver screen guy and then running up people's guts, getting these soft defensive fronts and just jamming it down your throat. Um, he just wants – Sean Payton's one step ahead of everybody, and, and Drew Brees has always been this way. I mean, he's so exact. He's so precise. Uh, he plays on time. Um, you know, he allows his receivers to do something after the catch, which is uh, what all the great ones do. Uh, and and he's still, I get it. Most of it's underneath. Most of Tom Brady's damage is underneath, too. Most of Aaron Rodgers' stuff uh, is underneath. Most of Peyton Manning in his heyday was underneath. Um, but they, they kind of play you short to long. They, they make you suck up, and, uh, and then he'll strike you down the field. He did it on the corner route down in the red zone. To Kendrick, uh, if, teams start the, getting, the, if, yeah. if, if, if teams start getting too close, he'll strike them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see. And as much as so many of us say, well, hey – Let's see him outdoors in the playoffs. One, yesterday, though the Bengals don't have much defense. It was outdoors. It was cold. Two, they may not have to go outdoors. They may not have to leave New Orleans to get to the Super Bowl. No, I mean, if they end up going to L.A., it's not like that's rough conditions. Um, again, I, I, I am a believer that it is harder to be that exact. Uh, when the weather changes, but when you're a controlled passing game, when you're, like you said, underneath 10 yards, when you utilize a lot of run-after-catch, sometimes the cold, sloppy weather can work to your advantage, too. Uh, There's more run-after-catch opportunity if you can separate and get the ball out quick. So I'm not worried about the outdoors. I think that, you know, there's there's a a handful of teams that have separated themselves at this point in the season, and, and the Saints are one of them. Trent Dilfer's joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check out Dilfer's Dimes, and you follow him on Twitter. Also runs the Elite 11 quarterback camp, the best quarterback camp in the country. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What's wrong with the Eagles? I think it's a couple things. Um, Number one, repeating, as I've been told, is one of the hardest things there is to do in sports. Uh, It's one of the great regrets in my career is I wasn't given the opportunity to go back to Baltimore and be able to try and go on that journey with the Ravens. Uh, it's super hard because you want to celebrate the year before. Uh, you want to celebrate your accomplishments. You have more distractions. You have coaching changes. Uh, you have turnover on your team because now all your players are more attractive to other teams. 
Um, and it takes a special group to embrace the hardness of that and, and move forward and, and still have success. I think that's one of the, the really neat things to watch in all of sports in general. Uh, I think Frank Reich, losing Frank Reich and, um, in their, and some of those coaches has really hurt them. I, I think Frank Reich's uh, in that group of some of the great offensive minds in, in football. Look, he's doing it in Annapolis with Andrew Luck and, and changing that offensive culture there. Um, I think that's part of it. Uh, and I don't think they were overly talented last year. They didn't overwhelm people with their roster. They were kind of one step ahead of people with some RPO stuff, with some other offensive innovation. They caught lightning in a bottle, uh, and some of the other teams have caught up to that. So I, I think it's a bunch of different things. Um, they're just kind of a middling team right now. All right, what about the Dallas Cowboys? Obviously, when Zeke Elliott gets to running the football, they're far different. Um, it feels like people are like, well, Dak's playing better. This is kind of the ceiling for Dak, right? I mean, that was a really good, solid 270 yards. You know, don't turn over, spray it to a bunch of guys. Nothing spectacular. Like, that's kind of who he is, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, I think the Cowboys are a reflection of their quarterback. They're inconsistent. Um, Dak does some really good stuff. I, I am a fan of Dak. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, you know, elite quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So sometimes you're trying to win with a good, solid player. He has his splash moments. Um, he's tough. He has all the intangibles. Uh, he adds an element of playing second, third reaction football because of that, his athleticism. But at the same time, he doesn't do the boring stuff great. Uh, you know, he doesn't play on time all the time. His eyes aren't always in the right place. Um, there's a lot of little things that when you add up, you know, equate to wins and losses. And, and that's what the great ones do is they're consistent with the boring stuff. Yeah, they can still do the, the splash stuff, but they're consistent with the boring stuff, the stuff that nobody really notices. And, and you make enough mistakes on that. Uh, I thought Chris Collinsworth did a great job showing that he's, he doesn't throw the ball on time. He doesn't like to play on time. Um, there was a couple instances where he's, you know, he's waiting for the receiver to be open instead of throwing him open. Uh, again, just nuance, polish that he needs to take on to really separate himself and put himself in the upper tier of quarterbacks. And I say that because the Cowboys are the same way. They can be great on defense. They can look suffocating on defense. And then they can let, you know, up by seven, a ball get up over their head. Um, they can get gashed in the run game at times. They can have stupid penalties. Um, they, they tend to be very inconsistent as well and, and sometimes um, don't embrace the boring stuff. So I think their quarterback and the team are one and the same. It's hard for anybody to play from behind. Trendo for joining us in the Doug Gottlieb show, right? That's the whole, let's start fast, let's make some. So well, that's not what anymore. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but, New way, England, but, not anymore. But, but New England gets down, you know, 17-3, start the game on the road. That, that's a hard way to live, right? That's not, that's not a, a fun way to live. It's not Lewis, It's not ideal. Th- Deion Lewis comes out after the game and says, hey, man, you go cheap. This is what happens. You get smacked around. Um, in fairness, they, they didn't have Gronk. They did have Sony Michelle for the first time in a couple of weeks. And they did, get, they did get smacked around by the Titans. How, how much concern should there be uh, with, with the Patriots? Well, I think any time you lose by 20, there should be concern. Uh, you know, I made one of the most egregious mistakes in my broadcasting career when I overreacted to a beatdown the Patriots took a handful of years ago. Um, I think you have to take each beat down in context with who the team is, who their leadership is, what their track record is. 
uh, I'm less concerned because it's the Patriots, because they've earned that respect for me, that they've taken beatdowns before, and it's made them better. Um, I like what the Patriots are doing on defense. They create more duress on the quarterback than any other team in the NFL. Not more sacks, just more duress. But at the same time, they're almost um, kind of like the old Jim Schwartz defenses, where they're almost careless sometimes trying to get to the passer, and they, they've given up big plays. Uh, offensively, I'm never going to worry about him as long as Tom Brady's their quarterback. But with Gronk not healthy, with Edelman getting beat up late, with them trying to be more of a ball control, run, play action team and not having Gronk there as an inline blocker, because people forget about that. He's not just a great pass receiving tight end. He's one of the best inline blockers, which allows the run game to go as well. So, you know, they're playing half-manned. They got their butts kicked by a team that was hungry. I'm sure there's some Brabel experience with Belichick that um, influenced a little bit. Um, but overall, they've just done too much over the past, what, 15 years for me to doubt that they, can, uh, that they wouldn't bounce back from this. Cooper Cup out for the year. How does that affect the Rams? Well, he's a very good player, so obviously affects him. Um, I think it's Reynolds. Am I correct on that? The kid that stepped in a couple weeks ago yep. um, did a really, really nice job. Josh Reynolds, uh, yeah. In the, yeah, in that spot. And they're going to have to get away from some of this 11 personnel. I mean, every time you watch a Rams game, the announcers do a good job of explaining how they're an 11 personnel more than any team in the NFL by far. That's three wide receivers, one tight end. Um, they base their whole system around staying in one personnel grouping so that they can change tempos and not have to run people on and off. Uh, they're going to have to adjust that. They're going to have to play more 12 personnel, which is two tight ends and one back, two wide receivers, uh, and be able to do the same thing. And they have two good pass-receiving tight ends to do that with. Um, so I think they can adjust. It's not like they're losing Gurley, you know, and I don't want to downplay how good Cup is, but he's an auxiliary weapon on that team. He's not a primary weapon. Uh, and by committee, I think they can replace him. Hmm. Fascinating stuff from Trent Dilfer, who joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Chargers announced that Denzel Perryman out for the year. Apparently, um, the hamstring came off the bone. Got to get that one reattached. It looked nasty. Yeah, I was yeah. watching that. It looked, it looked like he was in a lot of pain. Last year, their defense struggled when they lost Perryman. He was out the first half of the year. Of course, that's that coincided with that awful start. How hard is that to replay? They're going to get Joey Bosa back, so it'll help their pass rush, but you lose your middle linebacker at this point in the year. How does that change the Chargers? It's tough. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know who his backup is. I probably should, but I don't. Um, it puts a big burden on him as, him as the signal caller. Uh, getting Bosa back you know, helps him, obviously, in the pass game. I, I think what the middle linebacker does, though, um, more than people understand, is he gets people aligned. You know, alignment, assignment, tackling is basically defensive football. Uh, and getting guys aligned right and checked into the proper assignment, especially nowadays with high-tempoed offense and multiple formations and all the spread looks and all the crazy stuff that goes on offensively, really creates a confidence, uh, a comfort with your defense. And if, when you replace that guy and now the signals are different, um, it can create some chaos on defense, defense and it takes a, uh, some time to adjust to that. And that's not even to mention, he's just a really good football player. Uh, he's in the right spot at the right time and makes good plays. He's valuable. He's a three-down linebacker. He can play in the pass game. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a blow, but getting Bosa back is a huge deal. I mean, he is one of the premier 
defensive um, lineman in the league, and, and maybe it washes itself out. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see if it does, in fact, wash itself out. Um, the, the Matt Patricia thing doesn't seem to be working out, but it is the first season. You've been in so many different locker rooms with so many different head coaches. Um, what's your sense of the Patricia thing and whether or not we're just kind of freaking out over them taking a step back, or does he really just not have what it takes to command that position? It was just a handful of weeks. He had him taking a step forward. I, I, have, I personally, and I could be wrong here, but I have a long leash with first-year quarterbacks, first-year head coaches, um, massive transition. I think transition is hard. Culture change is hard. Uh, it takes buy-in. Buy-in is hard. Um, so I personally have a long leash and, and kind of hold my opinion after I see a bigger body of work. Um, I think one of the things that's happening with Patricia is there is no doubt when the media doesn't like the way you present yourself, especially when you attack them to a certain degree, um, that the narrative around you becomes um, a little more toxic. Um, I mean, Tony Dungy was brutal in his first, I was there, his first night. I think we were one and eight his first year. But Tony Dungy handled himself with incredible class, incredible poise, was very kind, looked the part. People were rooting for him. Uh, so the leash was a little bit longer. So I think the leash is a little bit shorter on Matt Patricia because of kind of how he's come off. Um, people can disagree with me, but it's kind of how it works these days in, in the sports media and how they, they uh, change their narratives on coaches very quickly. Great stuff. Awesome. Um, I agree with you. Uh, totally. You know, you tell a guy to sit up and to be presentable, and suddenly now the knives are out and the media is killing you when your team stinks and loses the Bears who, who can't make a field goal because Cody Parkey hit an upright every time he kicked the football. Drent, uh, great yeah, stuff. I as oh, Go ahead. I got 20 more seconds. I mean, I think it's, I mean, you're in it. I was in it for a long time, still in it a little bit. If I were to give a message to young athletes and young coaches, it'd be very simple. Don't piss off the media. It ain't worth it. And Matt kind of did. And, and he's kind of suffering because of it. I agree. I, I agree. It's one of those, if you know, the whole thing is what is the win? It's, it's even when he, even if he was, if he was upset because he felt like it was disrespectful that a guy wasn't sitting up, wasn't presentable, no matter how he personally looks. And Patricia, you know, has his flaws. He actually does wear, you know, coat and tie at a lot of those, a lot of those press conferences. Regardless, like, you want to say that in front of the guys he in, in his field? Like, why not just have your PR guy pull him aside and say something to him, right? Like, you know, what, what, is, the win, what is the win in that? I've seen a lot of really good football people. Uh, I've been in this now since 94 is my rookie year. And I've seen a lot of really good old school football guys that are really admired by the rest of the league, but they didn't have the tact. They didn't have the social awareness or they, or they rebelled. They had such a deep hatred for the media and people covering the sport that don't play the sport um, that they've ruined their careers. Um, coaches need to do a better job of understanding that the media is the voice uh, is their voice to the public and handling them with more grace, and even though they mess up a lot, more grace and, ta and tactfulness. And the ones that do, we as a public give a longer leash. Those that don't have a shorter leash. It's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's right. 
Right. I it's just re- it's the reality of human buzzers. nature is all you're saying. Uh, yes, is- I hated kissing buzz at quarterback. I tell the young quarterbacks, I said, one of the arts of quarterbacking is becoming a politician and learning how to lie to people and not know them, and then not knowing you lie. It's just the fact of the business. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Trent, awesome stuff. Check out Trent Dilfer on Twitter, at Dilfer's Dimes. Check out the Elite 11 camp. Go to Elite11.com, the nation's premier quarterback competition. TD, thanks for joining us. Thanks, brother. Brought to you by Discover Car. We treat you like you treat you. Let's first treat you, though, to Dan Beyer, who's keeping an eye on all the injury news from the National Football League. Yeah, Doug, you were talking with Trent about Cooper Cup's injury, the Denzel Perryman injury. There's also a big injury in Jacksonville. Jaguars center Brandon Linder is going to be placed on IR with a knee injury that requires surgery. You mentioned the Eagles lost last night to the Cowboys. They lost cornerback Ronald Darby for or Derby for the season. Darby's going to miss the year because of a torn ACL that occurred in that loss to Dallas. Bengals fired defensive coordinator Terrell Austin a day after surrendering 51 points in a loss to the New Orleans Saints. Speaking of those Saints, they signed free agent wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Tampa Bay going to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback week 11 against the Giants, but they won't be sticking with kicker Chandler Catanzaro. He was released today after missing two field goal attempts in yesterday's loss to the Redskins. Giants and Niners tonight, 8-15 Eastern time in the NFL looking into the playing conditions at Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. The field is in poor shape. Next week, Rams and Chiefs will play in Mexico City. It's a week from tonight. Warriors forward Draymond Green going to return from an injured toe to play against the Clippers tonight, but no Steph Curry because of his injured groin. Jimmy Butler officially a 76er today, and the Islanders host the Canadiens at 7 o'clock Eastern time in tonight's Discover Card key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member, and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match limitations apply. Doug, back to you. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, you got to be careful with the whole we won the trade thing. If we just use the past as our guide, look back to last year. Now, Paul George is terrific, and he's chosen to re-sign with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And considering at the time, they no one thought he would re-sign the Pacers got the better end of the deal, getting two players who were under club control. But the Pacers got the better end of the deal because they got two players, two essentially starters, one you know, borderline star in Victor Oladipo, their best player, as, op- and as opposed to one player in a Paul George. But at the time, man, they fleeced him. Can't believe they got rid of Oladipo's contract and they had to throw in Domas Sabonis as a nice player. Like, all right, you end up getting, if Sabonis is only a rotation guy, starter and rotation guy is better than one player. It just is. Unless that player is a top five player in the NBA. Paul George is good. He ain't that good. He's really good. And they've had to compensate him, you know, with the new contract, which is a four-year deal, and, and Oklahoma City celebrating. My point is, when that deal was made, everybody freaked out and said they won it. You look at this Minnesota deal and everybody, well, they did Minnesota didn't even get a first-round pick. They got Covington and Sarich. Sarich is starting four. Covington's a starting three. Neither of them really require the ball. They both create space for Wigginton, uh, for excuse me, for Wiggins and for Carl Anthony Towns. 
And while the second round pick doesn't feels like a throw in second round picks can have a little bit of value. They're worth, you know, two to $4 million. I, I, I just, I, I caution, I pump the brakes on Jimmy Butler, who is going to be a free agent could sign a long-term deal. And it wasn't like any of these other championship caliber teams were opining to go get Butler. I, I like what, I like the idea of what Philadelphia did. They're like, hey, we got two players. Let's add a third star. Teams with three stars compete for championships. But a little bit like Houston, they're getting out of what made them successful. You go back to last year and you look at their roster and you'll notice why it's so incredibly different today. The Philadelphia 76ers last season, right? Think about their stats last season. Their stats last season, Fultz didn't play. Didn't play. Robert Covington, Robert Covington and Dario Saric, uh, those guys were super, super effective at times. Now, Covington a little bit overpaid, okay. He fell out of favor a little bit, but he's 12 or 13 a game. Saric was 15 a game. They keep Reddick, they keep Embiid, and they keep Simmons. And Simmons and Embiid, you think, are stars, young stars. But one of the things that helped them be stars is they had Bellinelli in the playoffs, they had Robert Covington, and they had Dario Saric. All three could stretch the defense. And all three are gone. So I, I, I like the idea of Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler hasn't done well with guys who don't like to be motivated by teammates. That could be Ben Simmons. And in order for all of these guys to be great, you need people who can space the floor. And I don't know if the, maybe I don't know, as of now, they don't have those guys on the roster in Philadelphia. I'm not sure Minnesota didn't win this trade, getting rid of a guy who didn't want to be there, two guys who do want to be there, and they fit the rest of the personnel that Minnesota has a little bit better. Just be careful about who won the trade before I, anybody's played a game. Clay Travis thinks college football needs to take notes from the NFL. He'll tell you why next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Previously on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check this out. Jay Glazer joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. OBJ saying, hey, our goal is to win eight in a row. It feels forced. Like being overly positive feels forced. <laughs> Your goal should be win, win 16 in a row, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, just win one. You can't win eight, eight unless you win one. It's like our yeah. goal is to win this week. Let, let's, let's just win this yeah. week before we get out of ourselves. Whatever you can. I mean, if you want to say that, that's fine. Uh, whatever. You know, I, the team has a lot of – they have problems in that locker room. There's just – man, there's, there's bad energy in there. They have a lot of issues, which is why they had the second pick of the draft in the first place. Just adding a couple of players isn't going to change those issues. It's bad culture in there. And that offensive line is – it doesn't matter who you put a quarterback. You're going to have major issues there. Every time somebody misses a pass, it's like there's a pity party. Everybody's throwing their arms up and like, oh, man, like somebody wronged them for missing a pass. It's got to change, man. There's just – I'm glad he's saying this, but there's not been enough positivity in there. And, and Pat Shermer is a positive guy. I, I don't care. You, you could have I mean, put Tony Robbins in there. 
in that locker room. <laughs> so he'd have he'd have trouble getting that locker room right. If you missed anything from the Doug Gottlieb Show, you can always podcast by going to foxsportsradio.com. Now, once again, here's Doug Gottlieb. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day this time, we like to play for you a show previously on Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1, we call it. Count on Granger, drawing up a winning play. Visit Granger.com for industrial supplies and safety products to help your business cross the goal line. Granger for the ones that get it done. Here's Clay Travis today talking about how a low hit on Alabama's quarterback, Tua Tavailoga, against Mississippi State could change college football. I thought that Mississippi State was clearly diving at Tua's knee. I thought they were trying to injure him. If Tua gets hurt and isn't able to play in the SEC title game, or certainly in the uh, in the playoff, I'm going to feel cheated. And when I saw that hit, I thought it was cheap from Mississippi State. I thought it was dirty, and I don't think the NFL would stand for it. I think college needs to do a better job of protecting their guys. And when I saw that hit, I said, "There's no way the NFL would stand with for a helmet straight to the knee." Because we saw what happened with Brady years ago, and they went in and they continued to adjust the rules. You may think that quarterbacks are being too protected, but it's just the NFL saying, "Hey." The big-time star quarterbacks in our league need to be protected, and we need to make sure that we're not getting them hit. And I think college needs to be more proactive in sending out a message. I, I, I could not agree with him more. Now, it's harder because college quarterbacks do have a tendency to run around more. You know, the, even the zone reads, you can technically, even after they hand off a football, you can technically hit a quarterback. They used to do that to Russell Wilson in the NFL. They don't do it now. They do it some to college quarterbacks. It's really hard. You know, I, I was actually, uh, I, I got a chance to call a game yesterday on radio, Bengals versus Saints. And I was hanging out with Bill Lazor, who's the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. And he was talking about zone read stuff, uh, RPOs um, as well. And he said, look, it's different in college because, you know, in college, offensive linemen can block three yards down field and it can, you can still throw a football and the three becomes four. Whereas in the pros, it's supposed to be a yard and it becomes two yards. Um, all of those, th- there's a bunch of other college rules, which makes it a lot harder to figure out if a guy is running or a guy is throwing the football. That said, I find I find what you have to protect those assets protect those college quarterbacks because this is, this is a a theme though. I think far too much power rests in the hands of kids now trans transferring and not having to sit out, you know, getting cost of attendance, people saying they need to get paid all this. Like we become like so overly ridiculous pro player in the media. It's kind of silly, but um, I quarterbacks are more valuable. Why not protect them more? All right, take a listen to Maurice Jones-Drew on the Dan Patrick Show, giving you his thoughts on Jared Goff. I think after these last these last two years, he has to be in the top two, top three. Top two, top three of? Of quarterbacks, period. Goff is in the top two or three. Yeah, I mean, if we saw the way, you saw the way he played against New Orleans, he had the one pick. But other than that, he went right down the field. When they played the Vikings defense, he torched them. Right now, he's playing with what we call uber confidence. It doesn't matter who they're going against. 
Coach McVay's instilled a ton of confidence in him in that offense that they can go out and score on anybody. And so I saw him in college. I trained at Cal, worked out with him there. I saw him in uh, his first year in, in Los Angeles where he was quiet. He, you know, he wasn't a real boasterous kind of guy. And he's still not boasterous, but you could tell in his interviews, he's much more confident mm-hmm. in his abilities and what he can do. And that's the biggest difference it, to me is just he's confident. He knows he can make these throws. He's confident where he's going with the ball. And, uh, you know, when he has confidence, that offense plays better. And I think that's the – when you look at the Saints, that's what it is. They're, they're confident that Drew Brees is going to make every throw, every play. Yeah, look, I, I like Maurice Jones-Drew's analysis, and he is saying something I agree with and that Jared Goff has gone from massively under, massively uh, overly scrutinized early to kind of underappreciated as he's made some amazing strides. But I'm not yet willing to put him in that category, right? I'm just not. Like, let's let's flesh this thing out a little bit because last year in the playoffs, teams made him beat them, and he could not. Um, he has a great offensive line. He has a great running game. He has some good personnel and excellent coaching. Let's see what happens when we get a little bit deeper in the season and people challenge him. Just see it. They they. It wasn't like they dusted off the Seahawks there. They're coming off a loss to the Saints. Could have lost the Seahawks up in Seattle as well. So, so this indomitable machine, this ridiculous factory of points, has shown itself to be fallible. Some of that, those, those issues are on the defensive side, but some of them are on offense. Now you take away Cooper Cup, who's not the most talented player, but a really important cog to what they're doing. Let's see. It's hard to tell, though, between Goff, McVay, um, and obviously Todd Gurley and the offensive line, all all very much a part of the success story. Am I putting him above Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Matt Ryan? I mean, you know, anybody who's like, well, this guy's having a career year. We said this last week. They're, they're all having career years. Offense is up across the board. It's an offensive league. If you don't have an offense that can score, that can put up 25 to 30 a game, you're just going to get left in the dust. So it's, it's not to take away from golf. It's just to simply point out it, it's, a, it's, a harder, it's a harder curve because there's more talent. There's more other guys that are also lighting up the NFL. What does the fuck say? Can the Eagles rebound and win the NFC East? It, it sure feels like all of that huff and bluster over being the champs and everybody saying they couldn't is just huff and bluster. Should the Patriots be worried about their loss to the Titans? And um, I look at the Rams and they lose Cooper Cup. Are there some failings in the future for the Rams? Michael Lombardi, the former general manager in the NFL, will join us and answer all those questions next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. LeBron and the Lakers get another win, but they survive the Hawks. Something, something ain't making sense to me in L.A. We'll get to that upcoming. Uh, tough to watch tonight's Monday Night Football, but that's okay. We can react to all the really good and really interesting Sunday Night Football with our next guest, Michael Lombardi is a former general manager in the NFL. He also has a great, great podcast called GM Street. You should download, listen to it. I do. 
And then you can pick up his book, Gridiron Genius, a masterclass in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. It's on sale now. Let's work backwards, shall we, Michael? Let's let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, when they can run it with Zeke Elliott, uh, it, it changes the entire game. Um, do you think last night's performance bodes well for the rest of the season for the Cowboys? You know, that's always going to be a hard one. I'm not sure he's going to have that kind of game every week, especially when he faces uh, a better defense. So, you know, the, the Eagles' run defense typically was very good. Now, this week he goes against Atlanta, which doesn't have a run defense. So, you know, they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game like they did last night. But I think more than anything, their defense played to a level that it didn't play against Tennessee on Monday night. It created some problems for Carson Wentz. It forced him to, to make some throws he really didn't want to make. And I thought they were around the ball quite a bit. I, I don't know how far this Cowboy team can go because at some point when teams take away the run, they're not a very good left-handed team. No, no, they're not. And that, that brings me back to last week's comments where Jerry Jones said Dak's going to get an extension, which obviously leads you to think that there's going to be some sort of coaching change unless they win this division, get to the playoffs. Um, if you were advising Jerry, they don't have to give Dak an extension and they could let him play the market at the end of next year. They could franchise tag him, whatever. But there is the idea that he's been a starting quarterback playing on a fourth round picks contract. How do you realistically approach that if you were in that front office? Well, I think you got to design an offense that fits him. I don't think they utilize his skill set very well, Doug. I think he's a guy who can run. He can do more with his feet than they allow him to do. He's not a classical drop-back passer. You know, he can run that read option. He can do a lot of things that these mobile quarterbacks are doing in the league today. And I think if they took a little bit more of what he did at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen and utilized that kind of attack, I think they would be better suited for Dak Prescott and it would help his receivers get open because they have a hard time separating. So for me – I think that this is uh, this is a situation. I don't think we've seen the best of Dak. I think when you look at it last year, when you look at it this year, just take third and short, third and four and plus. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cowboys ranked 29th in the NFL in that category this year. When he was humming really good with Jason Witten and Des Bryant in 2016, they ranked fourth. Now, has Des gotten that worse from his rookie season? I doubt it. But people know their plays pretty well. Their scheme isn't exactly complex. Uh, you talk talking about Des Bryant. He came back all 36 hours. He was with the Saints. He tears his Achilles tendon. Um, and, and look, this, some of this becomes social media where people don't know how to react to it. But m- my point on social media was, hey, when you're in your 30s and you're not with a team, even if you're in regular shape, you're not in football shape. You know, the Saints put out there that he was five pounds overweight, so they might not have dressed him on Sunday. Anytime you put out that the guy's five pounds overweight, he's probably more 10 pounds overweight. Is this one of those warnings to older players, or is this just a numbers game and, and guys happen to get hurt sometimes? You know, I, I, the Achilles tendon to me is strange because guys young, Ronald Curry uh, tore it twice when he played for the Raiders and he was under 27 years old, you know, and in shape. So it's kind of a funny thing. You just never really know the wear and tear on a guy's body and how it, how it affects him. Back in the day when you had an Achilles, your career was over. Now they can repair him. They come back stronger than ever. But you're right. I mean, Dez wasn't doing anything. He went up to Cleveland. I didn't think he was in shape just watching him do that stuff there on hard knocks. I don't think he put the time or the effort in. That'll be the question if Le'Veon Bell decides to sign his tender tomorrow. What kind of shape is he actually in? I know he's been working out in Miami, but working out in football shape are two different things. So I would say every time a guy misses time, he's going to pull a hamstring, pull a calf muscle. Something's going to happen that's going to set him back. It's it's a great point. Okay, so 
Le'Veon, there's talk that Le'Veon Bell won't show up. Let's say he does show up. And obviously that locker room loves James Conner. On the other hand, Le'Veon Bell is a remarkably talented guy. How does that work? You're in, the, you're in the stretch run of the season. The team's playing really, really well. You do have this guy. He is talented. You have to pay him, so you might as well play him some. How do you handle that? Look, the, the way I would handle him is very, real simple. I would just bring, I would bring him back, make him earn his way back onto the team. I wouldn't give him anything. I don't think you can. I think you lose your team if you do that. You know, he's been, he's been in Miami, you know, jet skiing, as Don Martindale said. And meanwhile, everybody's been in camp since July. I don't think you just turn around and hand out starting jobs. You've got to earn them back. And the way Connor's played, you'll lose your team if you don't. And the other thing is, if you give him too many reps, he's going to pull a muscle and he's going to miss even significant time. I mean, just look at Leonard Fournette. Not that he missed camp, but once a back pulls, it's hard to get it back. We saw it with other players in the league. So I would bring him back. I would take my two-week exemption that the league's going to give me. I wouldn't dress him for two weeks. I would go about my business, and I would integrate him back in until he proved that he practiced hard and wanted to help the team, and he showed his teammates he wanted to come back, not just me. Michael Lombardi joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Let's get to the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco's got a hip issue, may cape him out this week. They gave the guys a bunch of time off, and there's the thought of using Lamar Jackson, but you got to completely change the offense. Then you got RG3 there, who actually won the backup job um, in the preseason. What do you do if you're Baltimore? I, I really think Baltimore desperately needs to get Lamar Jackson more integrated. If Taysom Hill can have a significant role for the New Orleans Saints, why can't Lamar Jackson have one? I mean, Taysom Hill's been outstanding. He runs hard. Third and two, they put him in. Drew Brees is having an MVP season. He doesn't seem to have a problem being extended out. Taysom Hill can throw a pass. Lamar can throw way more passes. So I think the I think the Ravens are doing themselves a disservice. They don't make enough big plays on offense for them to not utilize the skill set of what Lamar Jackson can bring. And it can't be just a trick play here or there. They've got to have him involved with the offense, and they've got to utilize his skill set. To me, it's now or never for Baltimore. Look, they all know they're getting fired if they don't advance into the playoffs. That's not been a secret. The owners mandated that. Back last spring, we either go to the playoffs or I'm cleaning house. And if that's the case, then I would utilize all the talent that I have aboard to try to get there. I think they're, I think they've done a poor job offensively of trying to utilize the skill set of Flacco and then trying to integrate what Lamar Jackson can do. They just just want to run their plays, and they don't seem to be adhering to what their talent base tells them. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That That's the voice of Michael Lombardi. Uh, a lot of people have been praising the L.A. Chargers. They're set to get Joey Bosa back. They handled their business well enough against the Raiders, but now they lose Denzel Perriman as their middle linebacker. How much does that change them? Well, I think it's going to hurt them. Hayes Pollard isn't the same player. Obviously, I think Bosa back will help, but I didn't think they played their A game yesterday. They really didn't look as sharp or as crisp offensively. Melvin Gordon was sensational. I mean, you talk about the screen pass, wow, what a play. But to me, I think one of the greatest runs I've seen this season was the fourth and one that he got three yards on, and it looked like he was going to lose five yards. I mean, that was one of the best runs I've ever seen in my NFL career. It was remarkable. He had him pinned on the sideline, and yet he gained, he gained two more yards. I didn't think Rivers was as sharp as he's been in the past, and I just didn't think their team was in it. The good part was they didn't miss a field goal or an extra point. Now, that's something to celebrate if you're a Los Angeles Charger fan. I think they got to take their game up a notch. They played to the level of the Raiders, and they played well enough to beat them. But I think they got to get much better, and they've got to improve, and they can't let have these lulls because these lulls 
will create some issues for him. Michael Lombardi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. How good are the Bears? <laughs> I think that's a great question. Look, the Bears level of comps. So the teams that the Bears have won six games against combined record is eighteen and thirty-seven. You know, and the Bears have are the beneficiaries of really of a soft schedule. Other than playing the Rams in Los Angeles, having to go to Minnesota, I don't think there's a hard game on their schedule left. They're going to make the playoffs. I think now we're going to see what Mitchell Trubisky can do. I love how all the Chicago media is saying the national media doesn't understand. You know, we do get direct TV. We do get the Sunday ticket. We've seen every Bears game. And going into last week, Mitchell Trubisky was 40 for 89 on throws over 10 yards. Eight, inter- eight, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. A lot of his work is done behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards. Yesterday he made a couple throws, bro- broken coverages. Look, the Lions defensively are one of the worst secondaries in football. They didn't have Darius Slay. They give up a, a opposing quarterback rating of 120, and they give up a ton of big plays. I'm going to temper it back a little bit. Like, let's not put Trubisky in Canton just quite yet. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I talked to a couple of defensive coordinators in the league, and they're like, look, pre-snap, they're really good. But, but he already makes up his mind where he's going to go with the football before the football is snapped. And when you get to November and December – uh, that's when a lot of that's that, that when people figure out what you're going to do before you do it. That's when all of a sudden you got to think on the fly. And there's a lot of questions about his accuracy, pushing the ball downfield and, uh, and, 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 and mentally whether or not he can go through those progressions when the first read that he was convinced was going to be there. Isn't there. Is that fair? No, no doubt. I, I see it. I see it exactly the same way. I see him more of a running back than a quarterback. He can make some loose plays. If you don't contain him in the pocket, but I'm not down that road. And, you know, I think that he's going to have to prove against, really, Mike Zimmer's weak off defense where Mike Zimmer's got some athletes and he can disguise coverages and he'd take away that short game. Look, the New England Patriots have gotten beat. They're, they are 2-3 and three on the road this year. And their three losses were by, are by double digits. They're not a good road team this year. And they walked into Chicago. The score was not as close as the game actually ended up being. And I think that's really an indictment of really what the Bears are. Michael Lombardi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. How concerning is not just that the Patriots were beaten, but how handily they are beaten? Look, as I said, they're a bad road team. I mean, you have to go back to 2013. It was the last time that they didn't play as well on the road. They were 4-4 four and four that year. This year, they're 2-3. and three. They're going to have to sweep the remaining three road games just to get above 500. Typically, this is a 6-2, and 7-1 and one road team that always is. I mean, Tom Brady did not play well yesterday. He's been sacked 10 times, Doug, on the road so far this season. That's, all, that's two a game. He's averaging under seven yards per attempt on the road this year. They haven't been able to get the ball down the field. They haven't been able to make explosive plays. They do not look like the same team. Even though they played against Green Bay and played well, it took some trick plays to do it. I think they're, they got to work ahead of them. They've got to get much better on defense. I mean, they could not stop Marcus Mariota yesterday. They couldn't stop they could not stop uh, the run game. They couldn't stop Corey Davis, who typically he's had one pass play over 50 yards the entire season. He's had none others over 25 yards until yesterday when he made a couple big plays. They've got a lot of work ahead of them. Awesome stuff. Michael, I appreciate it. Check out his uh, podcast, GM Street, or pick up his book. It is an absolute must-read, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. The book is called Gridiron Genius. Michael, thanks again. Thanks, Doug. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated joins the show coming next. How much better are the 76ers with Jimmy Butler? We'll discuss next. 
Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's welcome in Chris Mannix. Uh, big story over the weekend. Jimmy Butler dealt from Minnesota to the Philadelphia 76ers. Plus, there's Carmelo Anthony news. Plus, the Lakers win. And LeBron statistically plays well, but chokes a couple more free throws. A lot to get to. Let's dig in with the friend of the show, Chris Mannix. Mannix, let's, let's start with Jimmy Butler. Um, on paper, now you have three stars in Philadelphia, but you continue to shed guys that are shot makers. It's a shot makers league. How much better are the Sixers adding in Jimmy Butler? I think they're better, Doug, and I think it was a move that they had to make given where they stood and, and really the feeling that they had compared to a Boston, a Toronto, and even a Milwaukee at this point. But you're right, it, it's there's no guarantees with with what this group can do. I mean, you know, you put Butler out there on the floor. He's a high-usage rate guy, especially in the fourth quarter. What do you do with Ben Simmons? Uh, ben Simmons is obviously not someone that, you know, could be playing off the ball would be any kind of threat because he's attempted zero threes this year and is at all interested in shooting from beyond 15 uh, feet or so uh, out of the way. And they don't have shooters uh, to surround him with. Now, they could put J.J. Redick alongside Butler in the backhoe with Simmons at point and, be effective that way, but they sacrificed a lot of their depth, almost all of their real depth. They've got a gaping hole right now at power forward that you know, maybe Wilson Chandler can fill, maybe not. We'll see there. But when I talk to, to other executives about the Sixers, there's a strong sense that there's one more move to be made uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, there's been some some talk about Kyle Korver. Uh, you know, he's available obviously in Cleveland. Uh, I wrote today that the Sixers have been pretty intensely scouting the Wizards over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Wizards might decide to, to blow things up, and guys like Marquise Morris, uh, uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, Jeff Green, when he's eligible to be traded, um, they could be available. So, you know, where they are right now, I'm going to wait and see to see what else they do over the next couple of months before I determine if they're a real threat. Chris Mannix joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I kind of like Minnesota. Like, they lose their toughness and their grit. But if you have two young stars that you're going to build around, you know, look, Sarge and Covington, guys that can really stretch the floor, and Covington can guard multiple positions, it's it's not a terrible place to be, is it? No, I, I don't think it is at all. And, you know, we, we get obsessed at times, or at least fans, some media get obsessed at times over the accumulation of stars. Maybe it's because of what Golden State's done the last few years, what Boston is in the process of doing. But, you know, the best team in the East right now is Toronto, and they've got, what, one and a half stars, whatever you consider Kyle Lowry uh, at this point, plus, you know, a deep and extremely talented bench. Uh, Pascal Siakam just won the Player of the Week in the Eastern Conference, and Anobi's really good. Dylan Wright's really good. Fred Van Vliet's really good. These are not household names, Doug, but as several coaches have told me over the last few weeks, everybody in Toronto knows their role. Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do and goes out there and executes it. If you have that type of team, having two stars, now you need your two stars like Wiggins 
and Towns to, to play at a high level. But having two stars is enough if you have quality role players. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, let's let's get to the Lakers where they win, but I mean it's the Hawks who almost beat them, and LeBron chokes a couple free throws late. Now, look to to LeBron's credit. He said afterwards, I, I stink right now at the free throw line. What's the general sense you get? There was the call on the carpet meeting with Luke after they came back from, from the road trip. They've won a couple of games since. What, what's the general sense you get of the amount of happiness coming out of L.A.? I, I don't think there's a lot of happiness at this point. Uh, I think that there's a belief, and, and it can be misguided, I guess, but there's a belief that the more time that goes by, the better this team is going to get. Now, I have some fundamental questions about that because I don't think they're going to morph into an elite defensive team because I don't think they have elite defensive players. I mean, LeBron, the, the, the three or four minutes a game he plays high-level defense is great, but then there's the other 44 where at times he looks you know, indifferent out there uh, on the defensive end. I don't think they are going to be a high-level three-point shooting team you know, come the end of the season. So when you lack those the two key things that make up a winning team in the NBA, I just don't have a lot of faith in it. I mean, they'll, they'll click and they'll have some good runs and all that because LeBron is going to shift gears and these guys are going to get more comfortable playing together. But I've got real issues with, with, with just basic things, Doug, that this team really isn't very good at. Yeah, they're no three and no D. That is anti-2018 yeah. basketball. Let, let's work our way to the Rockets, who James Harden's been hurt. Obviously, they had the, the suspension early in the year. And then the story comes out, and there's been multiple uh, uh, basketball NBA insiders say that the Rockets are getting closer to releasing Carmelo Anthony. Like, Wow, that that yeah. that seemed from from starting early on and seeing how it works out to they're going to cut him. How did this happen? How did this precipitous decline happen so quickly? Yeah, that's my understanding too, Doug. And and it's not because you know Carmelo is this malcontent. It's just that he's not versatile. I mean, to put it a different way, he's he, he's kind of an analog player in a digital age. Like he's a guy that can do and has done one thing really well. Uh, for the bulk of his career, but he's not that great at it anymore. That being kind of scoring in, in isolation situations, there really isn't a big market for it. So if he's not helping you defensively, if he's not moving the ball, and he's not making the shots like he used to during his prime years, if you're Mike D'Antoni and you're looking at how you rank your role players, there's a handful of other guys, no-name guys, that you want to use ahead of Carmelo Anthony. So I think he's probably played his last game with the Houston Rockets. I don't think his career is over. I think you know a team like Miami, which at this point will sign anybody that would help them. Maybe Portland, which has had interesting Carmelo Anthony in the past, they could uh, take a look at him. But I think his days in, in Houston are over. Wow! I mean, that happened fast, right? Like we're not even December did, did, yet. Surpri- I mean, are you surprised? Because I thought it was I, I, I didn't. Well, look, uh, I held out hope that, you know, that they could bring him in playing against backups. He would really buy in. And it's really hard to be a guy that plays 35 minutes. You're a go to guy your entire career. Yep. And hey, we want you to be a more efficient version of yourself on a shorter period of time with guys you don't normally play with and guys that aren't just going to give you the ball. And, you know, he's he's he. He, he's always been a three-level scorer, but the worst of those levels has been three-point shooting, and that's what he's done the most of. But, yeah, look, I thought he was his legs were shot last year. 
And uh, but I'm I am surprised that they didn't want to see it through. That leads me to think he's a little bit more of a malcontent because I, I know they're saying all the right things that no, he's just he's just not versatile. But I'd have to think to not give him a chance to work through the kinks of a different role tells you that he's not really accepting of that role. He may be more of a malcontent in Houston, but I haven't really you know, dug into that part of it as deep as I did last year with Oklahoma City, but he wasn't a malcontent in Oklahoma City. It just didn't work in Oklahoma City, and they routinely would go to guys like Jerry and Grant at the end of games uh, to play in the stead of, of Carmelo. That's just a reality. He's not athletic anymore. He doesn't defend. And he doesn't move the basketball. So unless you're like the alpha that can do that, like a Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and playing at that level, you're just not much use as a rotation player to a team that already has quality stars. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Durant. Let's go to the Warriors. Um, Steph's thing doesn't appear. That's an adductor. That's an kind of interior muscle uh, like in your groin. That's something that can, can be mended. But the Draymond stuff, last year the shoulder, this year the knee – and it's one of those teams where, look, I, I don't think Draymond on his own can carry a team, but we also know that they don't win three championships without Draymond Green. At what point in time do we start to get concerned that the buildup of all of those games is just a lot for Sean Livingston, Draymond Green, Steph Curry? I think if we're having this type of conversation around All-Star, I mean, that's when you, you get concerned. I mean, yeah, the, the injuries are problematic, and I think we both can agree that's the only thing that's going to derail Golden State from winning it all this year. Uh, but in November, it's hard to get too worked up, but especially about a team that's coached by a guy in Steve Kerr that knows how to manage these guys, that isn't going to burn them out. Now, it might it, it motivate them to go out there and you know make a deal with Patrick McCall or you know find somebody else that can, that can fill into that rotation before the deadline, something they really haven't done much of in recent years. Uh, maybe, but I, I'm still, you know, I, I still got to see what this team looks like in January, February. If they're still dealing with the same nicks and bumps because it, they've just been down this road too many times to be all that worried about them. I know Kyrie didn't play in the Utah game. He did play and shot the ball terribly against the Portland Trail Blazers as uh, the Blazers, you know, big three ended up really taking it to them. They went 100 to 94. Boston comes back, makes a little bit closer as of late, but Portland jumped out all over them early in the game. Um, why the Celtics struggle, you think? And, and, and struggle yeah. is a relative term. This is a team that I think on paper, coaching staff included, should be the best team in the East, and they're slightly above 500. No, they're, they're struggling. That, that's, not, uh, that, that's not soft-pedaling it. Um, you know, they were, you know, a great second half away from going 0-5 on this road trip. They should have lost to Phoenix the way they played in uh, in that game. You know, the big issue, and we can, you know, it, it goes without saying that Gordon Hayward not being Gordon Hayward yet is a factor. You know, Kyrie is coming off a major knee surgery and only has been playing, you know, 5-on-5 five five for a couple of months. But I don't like the starting lineup at all. I don't like the rotations at all. And I think when they get back to Boston to play on Wednesday, you might see a change in that starting lineup. I mean, I understand what Brad Stevens was doing in starting those five guys. By doing that, you kind of avoid a tough conversation with a Hayward or a Brown or a Jason Tatum about being a sixth man. By keeping Al Horford at the five and playing small ball, you're, you're in a, you put yourself in, in a good position to have these guys be happy with their roles. But they just don't seem to work together. That whole road trip, I was on the broadcast 
done for the entire road trip, they, they just look dysfunctional for the mo- most of the time. And one of the reasons is they don't come out with energy. That's why a guy like Marcus Smart would work. And they don't, come, they don't battle on the boards, which is where Aaron Baines would work. I think one of those two guys is going to find their way into the starting lineup over the next couple of weeks. I don't know who you have the conversation with. It's probably going to be Jalen Brown. But I think that lineup needs to change for Boston to turn the corner. I, I honestly absolutely agree with you. I think you start. I think it's kind of easy. You start Baines at the five. A lot of people, a lot of teams start big and then go small, right? And Jalen Brown will play. I don't think you can put Marcus Smart in there just because, you know, as as Smart is just he's the he's the perfect kind of backup combo guard. Um, obviously, he continues to struggle with his shooting in spite of the new contract. And then you got the, the the Rozier thing, who wants to play more minutes, but there's just not no any more minutes to be had. It, it's fascinating. I, I would agree. I would agree with you. I would agree with you on Baines to the extent that there's still some concern league wide. You know, if Al Horford can guard every four that's out there, I don't know if he has the quickness anymore necessarily do that. The only you know the only reason Smart makes some sense. And look, Marcus Smart has more irrational shooting confidence then I think anyone has a rational confidence about anything in their lives. Like, he just continues to shoot no matter what happens with that shot. But they've really lacked energy early on in games, a, com- yeah. a com- sense of complacency. At least with Marcus Smart out there, he's a bulldog. He's, he's getting you into those games early. Maybe you live with the poor shooting from Smart to get that energy to start these games. It's fascinating to see. Mannix, great stuff, man. Love what you're doing on the broadcast. And uh, always region now in Sports Illustrated. Chris Mannix joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Mannix, thanks so much. You got it, Doug. Let's get you to Dan Byer, find out what else is going on in the world of sports. What do you got, Dan? Yeah, Warriors getting Draymond Green back tonight. Steph Curry got that groin, as you guys talked about. Going to miss tonight against the Clippers. Also out tomorrow against the Hawks. Some news from Major League Baseball. Bryce Harper, Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimball all declined their qualifying offers from their teams, making them free agents. A.J. Pollock and... Patrick Corbin did as well, as did Dodgers catcher Yasmani Grandal. So six players in all heading to free agency in Major League Baseball. Dodgers pitcher Hunjin Ryu did accept the team's qualifying offer, so he'll be back with L.A. Giants and 49ers tonight, 8.15 Eastern time to wrap up Week 10. Giants next week have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will have Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback. Bucks head coach Dirk Cutter said today they are sticking with Fitzpatrick despite just three points yesterday against the Redskins. Fitzpatrick did throw for over 400 yards in defeat. Bucks did cut kicker Chandler Cantanzaro today after two missed field goals yesterday. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup going to miss the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Chargers linebacker Denzel Perryman done for the season as well with hamstring and knee injuries. And Eagles corner Ronald Darby done for the season with a torn ACL that did occur during last night's loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And of course the Saints made headlines last week by signing Des Bryant. Well then he ruptured his Achilles on Friday. Today the team signed free agent wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Doug? Yeah, it's kind of interesting doing that game yesterday as, uh, you know, you're doing the game and you knew Des Bryant wasn't going to play. And so they hand you, what was it, about 1130? So an hour and a half before the game, they hand you kind of the actives and the inactives. And um, I we had been down on the field, me and – um, Brian Baldinger is doing the game, and he's like, keep an eye on Keith Kirkwood. Keith Kirkwood ends up being signed off the practice squad. He was a UFA undrafted free agent out of Temple, 6'3", 210. And like, they're going to use him today. They actually hit him for like a 40-yard gain uh, as that was their, their most explosive 42-yard gain, their most explosive play of the day. Everything else was kind of dink and dump. Uh, even you know Mark Ingram had a 28-yard, but that was just a little screen pass catch and run he took for a touchdown. 
but it, it's so I so I did buyer. I did my first you know play by play game yesterday yep. on radio. Yep, and uh, Joe Bucket was right. You do you got to write it yourself and write it exactly how you're gonna you're gonna pronounce it because otherwise you'd screwed up uh, CJ Z- Uzoma. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, you write And what happens is you'll look down and you got like a split second. You see his number. You got to know the number, know the name, bam, and, and get it. And even then, sometimes, you know, you don't uh, on radio, you do have the ability to take a second to react. As he said, you know, you can lie about it. But uh, and I knew the first touchdown catch I knew was Michael Thomas. Um, but there was a time when, you know, Kirkwood comes into the game. He's wearing 18. Thomas wears 13. Michael Thomas is about the same size and from the press box looks about the same as Keith Kirkwood. And I'm just telling you, it's you got to have a really good spotter and and see his number flash as 18 right before he catches the football, depending on angle. Sometimes you can't see it at all. It's really a really a fun exercise, but it is one of those things. The hardest thing to do is to get an opportunity but then you need to do it once or twice before you know exactly what you're doing, right? Like that's that's really kind of my biggest takeaway. The numbers of three, six, eight, and nine, all kind of in that same rounded font, if you will. Yes. And yeah, you've got to figure out ways. And now with wide receivers, that's all they want are the numbers in the teens. So so when you have a team that has uh, four wide receivers, you've got to figure out yeah different ways to decipher them. And well, how about this? They go with Taysom Hill right around the goal line, right? Mm-hmm. So you go. So they they came in first possession. They used him twice on zone read stuff. Taysom Hill is a little bit bigger than Drew Brees. He's like six two, whereas Drew Brees is probably six feet tall. But you know, again, from the press box, and one is seven and one is nine. If you look at the Saints' white uniforms, the black numbers seven and nine. If if you see only the front, very very similar. And then you're just so used to Drew Brees. Like I knew Taysom Hill came in the game, but you're, he he usually plays either in the slot, H back, sometimes wide receiver. Then you wait, wait. Drew Brees is out wide. Taysom Hill under center fakes the handoff, takes it around the end. He's going to score a touchdown. Like it happens. It's really, it's it's very very interesting. Did Taysom? And I didn't see the whole game. Uh, I didn't he, see a lot of it to be honest. Yeah. Did he ever give up the ball on an option? Or was he always he keeping did, it? He did. It's a great. Uh, he. Did not, but he did throw a jump pass. So they use him in the first half. Second half, they they second half they start on defense. They get the ball. They march right down the field. You know, every time they got the ball, they scored yesterday until they took a knee, and they started taking a knee with two minutes to go, and they could have taken a knee with like five minutes to go. That sucker was so out of out of whack. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> Dwayne Washington got eleven carries. Did you know Dwayne Washington was on no. the Saints yesterday? Oh. No. Uh, yes. I only saw it in the box score, but we did yeah, not talk about him. I see 27 come in. I'm like, yeah. Dwayne Washington's in the game. <laughs> we didn't We didn't call him a sleeper yesterday in our fantasy show. He they, was not they, lined up, they lined up Zach Line at uh, at running back as, as well, right? They they made sure everybody got carries. Anyway, so Taysom Hill started the second half. He ends up, he comes in back to that, that kind of wildcat package, if you will. They put Drew Brees out wide to the left. He fakes the handoff and then runs up to the line of scrimmage and then throws a jump pass to Benjamin Watson, but threw it behind him. But they ran the Tim Tebow jump pass. And then they get down to the one-inch line, right? And Brees is back under center, and it's Brees who jumps up over the center and gets the touchdown. And you're sitting there, and you're kind of – I understand what it must be like on defense because – the Saints do it really, really quickly where all of a sudden the same guys are in the huddle and now Drew Brees is out wide and Taysom Hill's under center behind center. 
and you got to figure out, okay, what does this mean in a matter of seconds? Did you were you able to fill because you were actually in the worst situation that there is when there's a blowout game? Even if it's if it's not a good game, if it's close, there's still. But were you guys able to fill well enough with fifty one? Like, look, I got. I, I mean, you you obviously know Brian Baldinger is a, a an encyclopedia. Um, but you still the difference in radio and TV is you still have to call the game. So there's not as much fill. You know, you still sure. end up IDing the players and IDing the plays. And yeah, Baldy ended up filling and we did talk about if the Saints were the best team and how to slow down the Saints and and boy do the Bengals look bad. Is this is their defense that bad or is the Saints offense this good? Yeah, we had some we had some fill stuff, but it it is different than doing fill on basketball where well, here's what's amazing. So I go to Cincinnati on a Friday and I have Xavier Evansville and then I have the Bengals and Saints. I was convinced that Xavier Evansville would be the blowout and Cincy versus New Orleans would be the close game. Evansville's down 15 the first half. Hell, they they tied it up early in the, you know, in the midway through the second half. That was a really close hard-fought game. That was a fun game to call whereas the Bengals and the Saints that sucker was over as soon as the Bengals got stopped. They got a penalty on 4th and 1 on on the Saints 40-yard line in the first half. As soon as that happened and they had to punt, that was basically the ball game. It was over after that. Well, congratulations on the first game and you know, Thank you. we thought it was going to be a better match. You can send the Marconi Award to work. <laughs> I'll share it with all of you guys. It was fun. I, I was probably terrible. Hopefully none of you heard it and destroyed the tape, but I do wish to get an, another opportunity. I think I'll be better the second time around. Baldinger was 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 amazing. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, we're going to hear more from Buyer Up coming next. Don't blame John Gruden. Blame Mark Davis. Find out why next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We'll make our Monday night football picks on this uh, really hard to watch Monday night football game upcoming. Not hard to bet on, though. Um, my college picks were four and one, were they not, Ryan Music? My college picks four and one. I picked all faves. Um, thank you. Thank you. I had Notre Dame. I had Nebraska. I had Michigan was the only one that didn't hit, I believe. Correct? Michigan was the one that, that did not hit. I had Ohio State, thanks to Michigan State's late collapse. Uh, and I stayed the hell away from Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. What a great football game where uh, Oklahoma State decided to go for two because they missed a kick earlier in the game. Go for two. And had a wide receiver open, but uh, uh, they the, the ball was was not accurate. Anyway, great hard fought bedlam. Uh, NFL picks were what, what what rhyme music? I thought I had. It's a two great question. Three. It's a very good remember? question. You don't remember? I don't have it in front of me right now. Awesome. Thanks for being well prepared for the show. Let's get to Dan Byer and get to the press. The press. The press is brought to you by Granger for safety and industrial supplies. Industrial supplies. Granger's got your back. Visit Granger.com. Dan Byer's got my back. Dan, Don't hit, hit me with like, 
I don't know. I think we can get six or seven stories. Okay. All right. We'll start off with the NFL. Raiders owner Mark Davis said in an interview with ESPN.com that people shouldn't blame John Gruden for the Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper trades, and instead they should blame him. Specifically about Mack, Davis said that he was the one who said Mack should be traded because he got the sense that Mack was going to pull a Le'Veon Bell and not report to the team at all this season. I can't blame him. And, And look, by the way, owners own. I I know that no one is arguing that Khalil Mack is awesome. But Khalil Mack's awesomeness, could that erase the fact that the Raiders had no cash on hand, would have no cap space, and that getting two first-round draft picks for a guy that might not have played for them? They weren't going to sign him for a $90 million guaranteed period. And until you start with that as uh, that as the starting point, then you know getting mad at, Al, at Mark Davis or... John Gruden is just silly. The Rams got a win yesterday against the Seahawks. We talked about Cooper Cup's injury, but something else happened during that game. As it was revealed, the Rams will play a preseason game in Honolulu, Hawaii next year. Okay. 2019 preseason football going to Honolulu. Right. I, I think that's great. Well, now they've lost. Do they still have the Pro Bowl there? No. Or did the Pro Bowl go away. Yeah, yeah, it's been a few years since it's been there. It's in Orlando. So this is a little now. bit of a make good for the Pro Bowl. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. You know, guys don't really want to play in the preseason, but do you want to go to Hawaii? The answer is yes. They played like the whole thing makes sense to me. Um, although Hawaii in August is not Honolulu in August is not as perfect as one would think. It's still close to paradise, but not perfection. Yeah. Doug, just one tweet today from former Ohio State assistant coach Zach Smith. Oh, how about Zach Smith on Twitter last night? Wow. Set the Twitter world ablaze with accusations made against Texas head coach Tom Herman. I'll let you read for yourself what he wrote, but his tweet today said, quote, anyone that knows me or has followed me on social media knows I would only be a quiet little trooper for so long. Phonies need to be exposed. I will not lay down. I will not let lies and liars thrive at my expense. The truth shall set you free. That That from Zach Smith today. That's pretty cool. Okay, cool. Not for Tom Herman. Hook him. Okay, cool. Hook him. Yeah. Right? Yes. That was the response on the text exchange between Zach Smith and Tom Herman. Yeah. Uh, there's there's talk of uh, some sort of uh, Asian masseuse, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to have to go to Twitter for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in, in this play, the role of General Sherman will be played by former Ohio State assist- assistant <laughs> Zach Smith. He will burn everything to, to the sea. According to a report from GoPowerCat.com, it's a K-State fan page, uh, former Kansas State football players that transferred after their Cactus Bowl win in December against UCLA aren't getting rings from that bowl game victory, being penalized for transferring out of the program. You got a problem with that? Not really. Um, One, I don't think you should get a ring for winning a Cactus Bowl. (laughs) No, man. And if you don't stay, you can't get the ring, right? It's like... It's like going to the bar mitzvah party if you didn't go to the bar mitzvah. You know? Shouldn't do that. No. The uh, the Warriors getting Draymond Green back tonight, but no Steph Curry as they face the Clippers. One other Warriors note, the Warriors are going to be selling passes to Oracle for the rest of the season that don't have seats. You can't watch the game, Doug, but what you can do for $100 a month is just is, hang out. Yeah, at the restaurants and bars inside the arena. Watch it on Steve TV Curry. inside Steve the arena. Curry. Well, I mean, t- 
to me, this is this. I would buy it in a heartbeat because you're going to get into most of these games, right? Stephen Curry. It makes it really hard on security in the fourth quarter when dudes start splitting and other guys start hopping in. But that's what I would do. I would buy it, and then as soon as somebody leaves, I would ask for their ticket and then sneak or just sneak in. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Who wins tonight, Ryan Music? I will go with the Giants. Uh, do you have a reason why? I just think the Mullins era is going to come to an end. Ah, Mullins magic. What about you, John Ramos? I like the Giants. Uh, okay, the San Francisco 49ers are three-point favorites. What about you, Dan Beyer? Uh I'll go 49ers. I'm taking 49ers. It matters still to the 49ers where I just think the Giants are a mess. Back tomorrow, Stefan Diggs joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The Great American Race, the Motor Racing Network, NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing, live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.